0: Hi, I'm Will, and I'm shop.
1: and we're two friends who love music,
0: and this is Pop versus Punk.
1: Each episode, we'll throw two albums into the pit together and have them battle out across a bunch of different categories.
0: We'll go back and forth to decide which album has the best song, video, deep cut, and cover art, plus a bunch of other categories.
1: We'll also dive into the backstory behind each album and talk about how they've shaped pop
0: culture. At the end of each episode, we'll crown a winner to determine which one of us has the superior music taste. Obviously, me.
1: But first, let's hear from your band, Ocean Glass. Welcome back. That's right. So this is. The third episode of Pop vs. Punk, number three. Um, we had to take. We took an extra week in between these mm-hmm. episodes because you and I both moved.
0: We're in new homes, new spots, but the vibes are the same.
1: That's that's yeah, and one yeah, for one of us, a new city, even though it's a return to an old city.
0: Yeah. So
1: um, lots of, a good a good it's a good day to be doing this podcast because today we are talking about um we've got a battle of self-titled albums here
0: Mm -hmm. of the rebrand almost
1: yes it's like a rebrand it's like a fresh (laughs) start um for the two people that we're going to be talking about today so i'm i'm the one who picked um this theme for the episode and that's because i won our last episode's competition which was between Mm -hmm. Sophie and Spanish Love Songs. So I got to be the winner, and I picked this topic because (laughs) I want to say that I had the foresight of how it was going to integrate with her actual real lives, but that's not true at all. (laughs) This just happens to be like one of my favorite, um, like dorky music nerd nuggets, which is like the self titled album that is not a debut album. Mm-hmm. Um, there are surprisingly like a lot of them.
0: Yeah. Um, I was having like trouble picking. Yeah.
1: There, there are a lot of them and it's probably something I never really noticed, um, like for a long time until, um, I think I read something about, actually it might've been yellow card and I don't know why, but I was like looking at yellow card discography and I was like, what the fuck? Why is yellow Card's like sixth album? their self-titled album. Yeah. Um, so I decided, um, for the pop for our for our pop album this week that's going to get thrown in the ring and, and compete here with whatever you throw on the on the punk side is um, I went with Liz Fair um, and I feel like what we're going to be we're going to be talking about today uh, is interesting because um, Liz Fair like. I would I don't know if I would call Liz Fair punk. In fact, I wouldn't call Liz Fair Punk. I don't think that any of what she makes is, is punk music, but um she didn't start out as a pop artist.
2: That mm-hmm.
1: that I think you can hold true. Like Liz Fair started out as kind of like an indie rock queen. Like she mm-hmm. was um basically just recording shit in her bedroom on cassettes after mm-hmm. kind of having like washed out of um, trying to make it as a musician in San Francisco, back in her own Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ended up, this is in like 1994, and she ends up sending that tape to uh, Matador Records, who nowadays, most people know like Matador Records, they're uh, one of the biggest indie labels out there. Mm-hmm. But back in 1994, they were just kind of blowing up on the scene. They had, <clears throat> I think in 1993, they released pavement's debut album. So like, oh, wow. they're, they're a big deal at this point. Mm-hmm. And Liz Fair, um, like the guys in the heard that album and they were just like, we're gonna sign this person immediately. They actually signed her without meeting her, which is something that they did not do at the time. Wow. Um, and her first album, Exile in Guyville um, is like a, is a classic. Like it, it's a certified uh, gold ambered classic. Um, not just in rock music, but in music in general. Um, so I am a huge fan of of lists, um, music critic lists. And the Rolling Stone Top 500 Albums list has always had a special place in my heart for all of its um, bumps and warts. So when, they when the Rolling Stone came out with that list for the first time, which was 2003, uh-huh. uh, I got the coffee book of that one. Exile on Guyville was number 324. Okay, wow. so very respectable. And there's literally like seven albums in that book from b- before, like from post 1990. So, like, mm. extra points for that. Yeah. Um, they ended up remaking that list in 2010, um, which they really needed to do. And because there's like two rap <laughs> albums on the first list. So they were like, yeah, there's two good ones. And the rest, they suck. They're like, yeah. <laughs> Um, on the, when they redid the list in 2010, Exile and Guyville all the way up to number 56. So that is wow. the high price.
2: Um, yeah.
1: Exile and Guyville rules. Like, it's an awesome album. Um, like Never Said is an amazing song. Uh, Fucking run, great song. She was basically doing the whole like indie, lo-fi, slacker rock thing. Um, she made two more albums of kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal favorite happens to be whip smart uh if you have got extra time and you're listening to this podcast and you want to check out Liz fair you should go listen to the song go west because that's a great song um so she does these two other albums they're critically like well received um but she's not making that much money mm-hmm. like i think exile and guyville has only gone gold which is like kind of baffling, considering like the amount of critical praise it's had, and that it's been yeah. around now for like thirty years, and it hasn't gone platinum.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like
1: it's not that hard actually to go platinum, and like if you just have an album that's around long enough, it'll happen for you. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: so Liz Fair like was going into her fourth album, right, so at this point, like she's had a kid, she's a mom, and she wanted to start like making some some bucks.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: she's looking around at like the landscape at the time, and I feel like we we might cross over into this with the album that you're gonna be talking about uh today, which is coming a little later, but it's mm-hmm. it's close enough and like Avril Levine is like pretty big at the time, like has yeah. come onto the scene, and Liz Fair heard uh complicated and she was like i that's what I want to do yeah she's like i want to make a popular album, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to." Make some bucks off of this. Yeah. So she came out with uh, a self titled album for her fourth album, which is called Liz Fair. And it's still on Matador, but it was the first time that she really had had some, some cash behind her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the label was like, look, you're, we're going to give you this much money. Like, you got to make this thing work. Yeah. So that's kind of the headspace that she's going into um, with Liz Fair. And I should know this, but let me get. I'm trying to figure out what date Liz Fair came out in. I (laughs) want to say that it's 2003, um, but let me see if I'm correct. So while I do that, why don't you talk to me about the album that you picked to go up against Liz Fair this week?
0: Yeah. So I was thinking, I had a lot of options thinking about like the mid career self titled in like the pop punk punk sphere um because like you said there's like kind of a lot of them i was thinking about doing um paramore self-titled that that one felt like it could have been up there as like a really strong like foothold uh and like just like interesting things happening in an album that a band is deviating from trying to like change the way they sound um the story so far self-titled is like a really mm-hmm. good one where i mean they just smoked a shit ton of pods stopped being angry um but the album I settled upon is one of I think the pop punk classics, like one of like the Mount Rushmore's of like you, if you, if you know this, it doesn't matter what, if you like the genre or not. You know this album. Yes. it is Blink is self-titled album. Um, arguably one of you know one of the most like pivotal footstones of the genre out there. Um, I mean, you could argue maybe like honestly, you can argue the ending Blinkstone is like the footstone of, of the genre. I mean, you got End of the State, uh, Take Out Your Pants and Jacket. Uh, I mean. Dude Ranch, like it's just the, the whole catalog.
1: Yeah, and another state. I mean, there's, you can kind of, and, and like, yes, yeah, yeah, you can take any of those.
0: But I think that for, especially for the 2000s pop punk wave that exploded onto the scene with your Fall Out Boys, All Time Lows, uh, Motion City Soundtrack, Panda Disco, the bands that basically invented the Hot Topic Warp Tour generation, aka myself, um, and perhaps you, you included. Um, this was the album, I think, that did that for a lot of us. Um, it was the album where they got a little more serious. It was yes. almost their Fleetwood Mac Rumors album. It's, like, the album they put out before they broke up for, like, four years. Um, like, things just weren't the same after this album. It was an album of nervous energies, tensions, you know, all in this, like, little house in San Diego they're recording this. Um, but also informed by a lot of, like, some, like, wild, real-world real real world stuff, too, right? I mean, like... uh um, this album is a response to 9-11. Uh, so when they're recording it, Tom DeLonge's brother was an officer in the Navy, and they said that while they're in this little house recording these songs, they take a break, watch the TV, and just see bombs flying in Iraq, and he'd wonder, like, is my brother alive? Like, Is he on the front lines? Is he there? So, like, there's you have, you have that in the background, too. Um, so I think it's just a fascinating, you know, culmination of, like, you know, these three dudes who were kind of just, like, fucking around in San Diego and getting big and you know, running around naked in the streets for the videos.
1: just like, on their dicks.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, and turning into, you know, like this is also the album where they're all fathers too. They all had just had kids before this album came out, so they're in a different headspace coming into this album. So I think it's a fascinating look at, um, you know, how an artist and artists as a group together write and grow um, over time.
1: And I think like it's these are two albums to me that they're these are controversial uh like, yeah. I think these are controversial albums because there there is like a strong section of Blink One Eighty Two fans who think this album sucks.
0: Oh and yeah, this is like, the great split.
1: Yeah, this is they're like this album sucks, and the real like three great Blink One Eighty Two albums are like Dude Ranch, End of the State, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket.
0: That yeah. like potty humor. Yeah, this a Blink sold out album basically. Yes. A lot of people. Yes
1: and like was fair and we're going to talk about this a little bit later but like the reason i picked here's the reason why i picked this out there's there are so many like self-titled albums that i could have picked from the pop landscape i'll tell you the one that i almost i almost went with and that was beyonce
2: mm. um,
1: beyonce um self-titled album which like <laughs> the reason i didn't pick that is because like i am not I don't have enough clout to come on here and tell you that that, (laughs) we'll talk to you about Beyonce. And I'm not trying to get the beehive sent after me. Like the same way, the same week that she like released Renaissance, like I'm out, Um, (laughs) but that's an interesting, like that album is basically to me, the album where Beyonce went from like massive, huge pop star to also like dipping her foot over into the indie, getting the indie clout. Like that's the album that gave Beyonce the indie clout like pitchfork gave renaissance a 9.0 this week and the first album that they were like this is a good album is beyonce Mm. the liz fair album is the opposite of that the liz (laughs) fair album is honestly like so i looked it up and this album did come out in 2003 and blink 182's album also came out in 2003
0: they're talking to each other
1: that is interesting and they're like they're not that far apart and we're going to talk about that a little bit when we get to the opening song in just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but like music criticism in the early 2000s is basically <laughs> like all white dudes. It's basically yeah. me. It's ba- yeah. it's basically just me, like guys sitting at their desk, it's at, like, like five, five wills, levels. yeah, logging on and like talking about talking about how much they love fucking Godspeed You Black Emperor. Like that's basically <laughs> what it is, and the list fair album. And at that time, like some of the music criticism was fucking mean, and it was misogynistic and it was sexist. And it was like people just being assholes mm-hmm. and pitchfork used to give people like horrible reviews. And the list fair album might have gotten like the worst reviews of any, like the most vitriol spat at it is this album. So we'll talk about that a little later when we talk about like mm-hmm. kind of how these albums shape these two people's careers moving forward. But mm-hmm. Before we get to that, let's go back to the beginning and talk about the first song of each one of these albums here. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, <coughs> I want to send it over to you, but I have to start because like we can't, I can't follow feeling this. So I need <laughs> to, I need to come in just with extraordinary because I actually don't have a ton to say about it. Like <laughs> extraordinary is a good song. Um, it. Is very like right away you can hear like the bigger production value uh, on the album. It is like crunchy and it's clean, and it actually has like Liz Fair singing, and mm. they're, her first three albums like she's basically not singing. Like she has this detached monotone sort of style, and that played in a lot with sort of the play acting that she was doing on these albums, where she was talking a lot about sex. Like yeah. she was talking a lot about what it's like <laughs> to be a woman in what was at the time an overwhelmingly male space.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: talking about sex freely and also talking about it in sort of a way that was detached and sad and sort of like really shown a life on the way a light on the way that women were um, taken advantage of and just not like properly considered. Mm-hmm. Um, during that time. Extraordinary has her like actually singing. And it's it's got a like the lyrics on one hand, like you sound like Hillary Duff. <laughs> yeah. Like on one hand, they do. Like it's like I'm extraordinary if you ever get to know me. Like that is something that like I could yeah. on a Disney Channel song. Yeah. Um there's still some of Liz Fair's like characteristic humor on here, which I do love. Um Whereas, like, after that line in the chorus, where there's, like, a nice three-part harmony where uh, it's, like, aver- I'm your average, everyday, plain, something psycho. Yeah. And I like that part. It's kind of yeah. like, it's like a suburban mom who's had, like, six wines and is, like, like, watch through. out. Yeah. Like, she's, like, <laughs> she still got that side to her in there. It definitely so, announces, like, this is a different sound of Liz fear. And it comes in with like a really huge grungy guitar, um, crunch. And then it kind of like cleans that up. Like by the time she gets to the chorus and she really does kind of let her voice out. I, Liz Bear is not a, admittedly not a great singer, but I think she sounds good on this one. And it's definitely, it's the song that she took around initially. Um, Mm -hmm. To get on talk shows, like if you YouTube it, you can find tons of perfor- her performing this on Craig Ferguson or performing this on the Late Show. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like an introduction to Liz Fair. Um, feeling this is fucking rocks. Yeah, it's like it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's awesome. <laughs> it's extraordinary. If you want yeah. like, you want to be honest, that's an extraordinary pop pup, punk song
0: yeah yeah uh i mean i mean first of all not on just this track on this whole album travis barker is drumming his fucking mind out like yeah. there are some fills happening here that i'm like holy shit like this is like people like i like, you know i mean obviously he's respected as a drummer but i think people don't think enough about like especially now that travis barker like owns the pop punk scene like, on the radio because he just produced all these albums and you can just hear his drums everywhere they're like, oh, it's just Travis, you know, they call it Barker core now, but it's like, yo, like th- no one was doing it like he was back in the day in the genre. I mean, like he, yeah. this, this man's out of control. Um, so you like, have this track opening with these like kind of like fuzzback guitars and like the drum just kind of already going in. Um, and then you just hear like, get ready for action. And then you hear that classic, you know, uh, Tom Delong Nasally, San Diego, California. And then just like, man, what a track, uh. No one has. No one has also
1: topped the nasally pop. Oh God, no! Pop yeah. voice like Tom DeLong. It's impossible. I don't. And you know what? No one should try and top
0: it. Like, <laughs> yeah, true. this
1: is like the high. This is as far as I think anyone should try and take it.
0: Yeah, I mean, man, like I remember hearing this album when I was in like probably like seventh or eighth grade and being like, "Yo, this is sick."
1: It's like, it's, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Break down the my. This is this is a humongous hyperbole that I'm about to come in with, so just get ready for. it But like this song, this song to me is like. It, yeah, I'm just fuck it. I'll just say it. It's like a, it's like a Paul McCartney, John Lennon like. Yeah. It, it hits that same chord of like the the quality of the songwriting here. Yeah, like, it does. There's a lot of. And, and I want to hear, like, you talk about this during the show, but, like, obviously, like, Blink-182 ended up breaking, like, for all intents and purposes, Blink-182 broke up after this album. Yeah. And a lot of the time they had, a, it seemed like the reason they broke up is because Tom DeLong wanted to do one thing, and Mark Hoppus wanted to do another thing. And mm-hmm. Tom DeLong wanted to do something different, and Mark Hoppus wanted to do the same thing they've been doing. Yeah. And on a lot of their songs, like, they do, I guess, like, trade vocals, but not like they do on Feeling This. Like, I feel yeah. like they're working together on Feeling yeah. This. Mm-hmm. And, like, my favorite part of this song has always been when it drops out. And it's just Parker's drums in the back. And then yeah. Mark Hoppus is just, like, he's, like, almost rapping.
0: <coughs> yeah, it's It's, and bad. it's favorite the part. It always has been. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and then, like, like
1: oh yeah listen like when i was listening to this like i probably hadn't listened to feeling this and in, in like a couple of years and mm. as soon as it came on it, like this place is never the same again after you came and left how could you say you've been anything different alone standing is I'm standing on the street with a cigarette on the first night, first
2: night bad? Bad. like it's
1: like
0: i remembered most of the words <laughs> yeah. oh, man it's i also think like it sets this. It's what it sets the stage for how they're gonna do this this album. Where like it's it is a lot more of a blended. Like it feels like they are working together. And in the recording, from this album, um, they had come into that house. Like they went to the house. Uh, fun fact: this house had pay per view porn on twenty four seven on a loop. Uh, and also that the room in the garage to just only smoke weed in. So it just it was basically just like your classic house. house. Yeah. yeah. Um, they came in with some demos and said we're just going to scrap all these and sort the record from scratch. And then we really wanted to write each song together. Like That was, that really was
2: okay. the purpose.
0: And I think that uh, that both led to great collaboration, but I think also when you're working that intently with people making music, I mean, I've, I've been in this situation a lot uh, with, with Ocean Glass. It's just like, sometimes it brings out the hard stuff of like, I want this part here. No, I don't want this part here. No, this yeah. idea is bad. My idea is better, right? And I'm sure that that led to some of the uncovering of the tensions beneath, you know, the surface that eventually led to their split um but also in terms of like thematically though this album is like this album is like a, a heartbreak album this album is a breakup album um That's or at means, least uh don't leave sad. the album yeah it's yeah. a pretty sad album and like that uh right of the part you mentioned in the bridge uh i love where uh like i'll always be dreaming of you and then everything comes back in together and then it's yeah. both more hey. And so, Tom yes. like not fighting each other because it actually works so well that you yes. can sing one line of one's parts and yes, also of the next part. It's seamless. It's so seamless. Um, yeah, the end of the song is incredible. Like how yeah. they s-
1: swirl all the vocals together is like how do they d- do? You know how they did that?
0: I have no idea. It's got to
1: be like several tracks. Got to so, be several.
0: Yeah, it's got to be several layered yeah. tracks. Because because Tom along it actually starts singing two two parts. So he sings. Yeah. Um, they fell short this time, your smile phase in the summer. Um, place your hand on my I'll leave when I wanna. Uh, but then in the background we start getting so lost and disillusioned. Are we alone? Do you feel it? And like yeah. I remember when that part comes in, because he comes in high with that over the whole bridge. Yes. You just hear like you just hear him screaming, Are we alone? Do you feel it? It's not even a question of in a relationship. It's also just like in this whole, like, whole world. Like you just you're a new father, you're you're in a band now that's like one of the famous bands in the scene, uh, possibly in the world at this point in time. Like we alone do you feel it like do you still feel that like i feel like so many of these bands when they come in the space of like getting uh acclaim and like getting attention they start feeling the loneliness of that um if we ever if we ever bring uh and I, I feel like at some point we will if you ever bring drake on this podcast drake is a really good <laughs> example of like loneliness at the height of fame like I, that man is probably the loneliest man in the world i mean it could good god um <laughs> but all this is say it's, it's sure. or future it's him or future it's one or the other
2: like yeah, and that's
0: yeah, break, yeah, much, yeah. honestly <laughs> uh that's what they love the collabs but um but yeah feeling this is just like i think like an incredible first track i mean it's, 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 it's bull- bull- the whole thing
1: is fucking bulletproof it's a 10 out of 10 it's five stars
0: yeah yeah
1: you can't and i love like you were talking about how blink 182 like wrote all this stuff together because you can look at those o- other albums and it's almost like they're trading off songs. Like kind of how I'm gonna say it again. People are gonna just turn this shit off when I keep saying this. Like <laughs> how Paul McCartney <laughs> and John Lennon used to trade off songs. Um <laughs> but they like are singing on this song together. And Blink 182 like you had the rock show which is Mark Oppus and then you had First Date which is Tom DeLong. And like mm-hmm. they're kind of just going back and forth with it. They had two primary songwriters on this one they were like what if we try doing them all together. Yeah and that was kind of a bold move for them to take at the time because they like you're saying they were fucking huge like when this yeah. this when this album came out like I was 2003 so I'm 13 and Blink-182 was like the biggest band in the world to a 13 year old guy it like, yeah. well that was the biggest band in the world and they were all over fucking TRL already and this album is going to put them All over TRL in like an entirely new way. Um, Yeah, because this we're going to talk about a song a little bit later that was at the top of this countdown for fucking forever. Um, Mm. Liz Phair was like trying to do something different. Like 1082 had not like they had mainstream cred. The like hipster music critics like just thought they were a fucking joke. Like didn't didn't really pay attention to them. They were just like kind of rolling their eyes. Like. Liz Fair was kind of basically like the for male, like in the eye, the male gaze, like of, of like a hot chick version of Pavement, basically. Mm. So, like, that's why I like her. And she was like, you know, I want to write. Like, she brought in um, the a production team um, <clears> for this album. Like, she had pretty much written like all of her songs by herself before, and they're like very lo fi recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically just did them herself. Especially a lot of the songs in Exile and Guy- Guyville, they're actually not that different from the original um, demos that she released. And she actually released those under a, a name uh, called Girly Sounds. Like that mm-hmm. was like, her band name. And then she just scrapped it and went with Liz Fair.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but for Liz Fair, uh, for her self-titled album, she hired the Matrix. Um, and that's a songwriting team who done Britney. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure The Matrix helped Max Martin write uh, Oops, I Did It Again. Um, And Backstreet Boys and Ricky Martin. So those are just like three massive pop stars of the early 90s. And the last person on that list is Avril Lavigne, who Mm. I mentioned earlier. So Liz Fair basically heard Complicated and was like, I want to make a song that sounds like Complicated. And I'll tell you what, she did a pretty good job of that. Yeah. If you listen to um, "Why Can not I," which is like the big single from, yeah, song, and it's probably Liz Fair's most well-known song, the beginning of that song sounds a whole lot like an yeah. applicator from Avril Levine, and
3: mm-hmm.
1: doesn't in the same like it's got that kind of like wistful summer breezy mm-hmm. like, quality where she opens it up, and then she just drives it into like a huge big power chord chorus, yeah. Um, why can't I is uh, so I read in preparation for this podcast, I read <laughs> Liz Fair's memoir, which is called Horror Stories. And let me tell you, Liz Fair. I, Liz Fair seems like to me that she kind of does whatever the fuck Liz Fair wants to do. Yeah. And more power to her. She wrote a memoir that probably mentions like two of her songs and like none of her music career. So mm. props to her. She just talked about like other things in her life. <laughs> um, but I, so I learned nothing. Uh <laughs> nothing that I can actually bring to this podcast. I read like 250 pages, I recommend all of them. It it had nothing to do with what yes. I'm gonna say today. However, <laughs> there's one thing I can say. Um, and that's when she was writing this album, Liz Fair was married. Okay, mm. so she's got a kid, she's a mom, she's married. Interesting, just well, like blank. Yes, but <laughs> but for unfortunately for Liz Fair. Like she was on her headed for a divorce, and mm. this album, um, she was like getting beginning to be tempted and cheating on her
2: husband.
1: Hmm. and why can't I is basically that song. Like that's what the song is about. Uh, oh boy. Whereas the line like we haven't fucked yet, um, but basically we're gonna fuck. Like it's basically like we're gonna fuck and like why well, can't you <laughs> believe that I'm around you? I don't wanna feel like this, but like you and I we're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Um It was it was like her big it was her big hit. It's the big hit from this album. Mm-hmm. Um I'm gonna like personally, it's not I don't love this song. Like mm-hmm. what what did you, what did you think of this one? Like I don't I don't really love it. I feel like it doesn't <sighs> I feel like she's written. Basically, she had written this kind of song her first three albums, and she had done a better job of it. Um, mm-hmm. it, just, it just doesn't hook me. Like the hooks, just yeah. It's got that kind of like. And there are a lot of rock songs like this at the time where it just gets kind of muddy in the middle. Yeah. Like it, it like all that you there's a lot of guitars on this album. Mm-hmm. Like I think that I would probably say there's like three guitars at least on each track. Mm-hmm. And that chorus of why can't I like that big power chord thing. It just kind of like muds together and yeah. she's, she's not a great singer. So like she kind of, she gets over the top of it, but it just doesn't sound as inspired to me. Um, so
0: yeah, it, it kind of just, it just like rides, I think like one wave for me the whole time. Like even with the power chord comes in, it like, it's only like a small bump in like the energy of where that song goes. Um, which... I feel
1: like the crunch. She's got that. <laughs> it's like, why can't I breathe whenever I think about? I like
0: yeah, yeah. But I think that's like that's the peak of where it goes to. I don't think it gets any more like. I don't want to say interesting because I think that's rude. Like I don't think it's. I don't think the songs. I don't think the song itself is uninteresting. But it doesn't like it. it if you hear the same for long enough, your brain turns it into just like background noise, right? And I I think that like I want a song to be foreground for me when I'm like enjoying it, and so. <clears throat> for me, like I just didn't like. It's not a. I guess it. I guess for me, it's like it's not a song that if I walked into a bar and heard the song playing, I wouldn't stop and say, "What's that song?" Like, I would like be interested in learning more yeah. about the song. Um, it's.
1: I I agree with you, but we're in the minority here because this is easily fair's biggest hit at the time. It yeah, got, it's it twenty five million plays
0: on Spotify.
1: It's a big boy, and it it cracked uh, the adult, adult top forty, and it got all the way to number thirty two on the Hot one hundred, which is hmm. pretty high. Um, as
0: her, I mean, Mar even knew the song. We were listening to it on our way to pick up a dining room table, and then she was like, I know the song. And I was like, I've never heard a song in my life. People
1: people <laughs> know this one. Caitlin also knew this song. Like, this is this song people know. And this might be one of the reasons. It is synced in 13 Going on 30, which is the oh. Oh. rom-com with Jennifer Gardner and Mark Ruffalo. Okay. Um, and it is synced in there, so you, you can hear it. But again, like, it sounds like a lot of the songs at the moment. Like, yeah. Especially that beginning, like the way that she kind of just like waltzes and wilts in there. And I would say like what separates it
3: mm-hmm. from
1: the other song. Like if, we were, if we're talking to her in like the context of Avril Lavigne and Blink-182. Mm-hmm. Like Avril Lavigne and Blink, we'll, we'll just talk like Avril Lavigne is like pretty sincere. But she's got like some tongue in cheek, I guess, with something like Skaterboard. But like Complicated like yeah. so, a pretty like sincere heartfelt song. Yeah. most of the like all the songs on Blink One Eighty Two are like is a band basically being like, okay, let's cut it out with the dick jokes and yeah. like write some serious stuff in here. Yeah,
0: like mm-hmm. let's let's
1: include like a two minute interlude where we read like a fake World War Two letter. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, yeah, like let's we'll and we'll talk about that. But, it's like, actually not
0: a, not fake letter, which is It's like
1: some but the most exciting <laughs> elevator music you'll ever hear on this album. Um, yeah, Liz Fair like what one of her like most distinguishing qualities is her sense of humor and like her biting like sense of humor and why can't i it still has that like it's still in there like this is like a sugary sweet pop song about cheating on your husband Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: like she sells it like you can almost hear her just kind of like winking at you and sticking her tongue inside of her cheek (laughs) when she sings this thing um (laughs) and we're going to talk we're going to talk videos a little bit later but I will say the Liz Fair Why Can't I video is a solid video. It's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. And I feel it's a shame <clears throat> that Liz Fair has to go up against Blink One Eighty Two in this category because something that I remembered in researching for this show is that Blink 182 are fucking really good at making music videos. Especially and this
0: album too. I feel like they went off. They crushed on this album. It. Like, yeah. it with the music videos in this album
1: like the lister <laughs> album is basically like one of those like if you went into an old like nifty 50s like diner mm-hmm. and yeah. you were like turning songs in the jukebox it does like a flip display of her singing like with animated covers uh, yeah why like, can i it's a pr- it's a pretty cool album it is and pretty say,
0: interesting yeah
1: yeah it's pr- it's pretty cool and it's definitely big budget and mm. for matador like that had to been like the most money that Mador had ever spent on a video. And yeah. I do remember like when I was watching it there, like the, the still, I guess it like comes back repeatedly is like her on mm-hmm. a full white background with her band. And she's kind of like on the floor singing. And yeah. that's like, was kind of like the image in my head of mm-hmm. this for a really long time. It was, it was that image, mm-hmm. but we talked about feeling this a little bit feeling the feeling, this music video, which I'm going to, I'm going to say is not, it's, it's a really good music video. I don't think it's the best music video. Not video even close. Album, yeah. But I like it. Even though it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's kind of revisiting <clears> like a. <throat> pop punk like loves this theme uh, mm-hmm. of this video, but it's still pretty good. So talk to me about it a little bit.
0: Um, yeah, I'm feeling this is just like a classic like. I feel like all pop punk bands love to do like a Mad Max style or like we're all in prison kind of video. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like a high school. It's basically yeah. like high school is prison. Like,
1: there's, yeah, like, yeah exactly.
0: Like there could, like, I'm pretty sure there's a good Charlotte video of the same thing. Like all angry rejects. I'm sure to do that. My cam like love love this trope. Um, yeah. So it's basically that. I mean, like if you if you heard any of those bands, if you know the band I'm talking about, I don't have to describe it. You know exactly the kind of aesthetic and archetype we're going for here. Uh, basically, it's just high school. You know. Uh, genetically aesthetically pleasing high school kids in school uniforms uh, in prison like trying to like you know, this is the other the scene of like the guy and the girl with like the uh, glass wall between them and like uh, the phone and just like making out on the wall with each other yeah. you know just typical this those i think that i think doing this still has some of that tongue-in-cheek blinkness in them because yeah. they you don't want to alienate your your fan base right you want to like still in a little bit like the song itself i think doing this is like probably one of the closest sonically to their old stuff um and I think the um, video yeah,
1: fits that. I think that. A fair, that's a fair. I think that's fair. There are there are a couple songs on Blank 182, like "Go." Go, yeah. is, go is like to me that's like this is a classic. Blank 182 sound like just that ball to the wall. Yeah, pop punk gallop is like mm-hmm. let's just make, let's just make that one. Um, yeah, and feeling this has feeling this is a better song though, but it is of like maybe the big songs. On blank one eighty two, it might be. I don't know. It, down is probably closer, but like the you know we haven't gotten to it yet. But the big one on this album is definitely like a big is departure from what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the feeling. This music video, it it has an appropriate level of horniness to it. The
2: mm-hmm.
1: the list. Why can't I is like what? It's like the music video. The only knock on the music video for why can't I is it's not horny enough. Like this yeah. is a really <laughs> horny. Song.
3: Yeah,
1: this is extremely... And he needs to, the video needs to be hornier. Like I'm, it just needs to be. Um, and this is like, and maybe we'll 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 open the we'll open the the discussion up here to just like, like just talk kind of like the broader album because mm-hmm. Liz fair is a fucking horny album.
0: This well, is I was, <laughs> when you when I to this I was like, what did Will send me? I mean, there's a song literally called Hot White Comp.
1: Correct. And so she so little little fun tip. So whenever we whenever we do, we do this. Uh, it's it's not going to be cum based for anyone who's listening right now. It's not going to this is not sex advice for me. I'm just going to preface that <laughs> before we start. Um, when I ordered this, uh, when we do the show. I always like order the CD or whatever I'm going to talk about. I accidentally ordered the clean copy. Oh cause really? These are because these are both albums that have the old parental advisory sticker on them. Yes, okay. Which means I was not allowed to listen to them when I was growing up. Yeah. And I accidentally bought the clean copy. And hot white Cum, you're going to be shocked to believe, is not on the clean copy
0: of. Literally. No.
1: They just scrubbed that. They wiped that thing right. <laughs> I
0: just off. said we can't even fix it. Like,
1: <laughs> there's no way around it. We're just going <laughs> to uh, scrap
0: that Oh, right. hot white rum. Uh, yeah,
1: like, <laughs> couldn't do it. So Liz Fair, like she kind of didn't know whether or not she wanted to put that song uh, on Liz Fair. Um, mm-hmm. She said that well, her female friends really liked that song. Any dude she played it for hated it. Um, so mm-hmm. she, I think that's eventually why she probably was like, you know, what, I'm going to stick this thing on here. And I'll tell you this, and this is so far I've like opened this up being like don't really like extraordinary don't love um why can't I I'll tell you this I'm not going to come on here and be like Liz is some like underappreciated gem that is like five-star album that people like shit on for no reason when it came out but this <laughs> is a good album and it's got it's got a lot of legs and it's deep and mm-hmm. we've talked about I've we've done th- three episodes of the show I've, I've talked about Sophie and uh we've talked about fucking fallout boy and we talked about mm-hmm. the mess, carlton and none of the songs that we've talked about have gotten stuck in my head like the songs on this album this morning i woke up and rock me was just in my head it was just i woke up <laughs> rock me straight in my head like they're little catchy and how I come is catchy last night caitlin and it, i were unpacking it is. we were unpacking this this room and this song was on, and Kate was just kind of, like, bobbing her head back. Like, it's a catchy song. Yeah, And you it almost, is. like, have to catch yourself being, like, she's talking about just, like, just getting, like, a cream pie, basically. That's, like, exactly what she's talking about. Um, like, very openly. Like, there's yeah. no metaphor here. Like, it's just, like, that's what I want.
0: I mean, um, the tagline for this album should just be, like, Liz Fair from is horny. Like, that's, yes. like, what the album is actually called.
1: I mean, um, the cover of the album is her naked with her guitar. and Yeah. Speaking of her guitar, um, something I was thinking about with this, with Liz Fair is if the aliens came and invaded Earth and they're like, we're gonna take over your planet and kill most of you, or like say <laughs> <laughs> like but you can save yourselves if one of you can produce like the catchiest riff in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And, like, we had to huddle together all the musicians and be like, who's going to come up with this? Straight up, I might hand the guitar to Liz Fair. Because <laughs> Liz Fair just seems to have a knack of putting mm-hmm. together, like, the easiest, catchiest guitar mm-hmm. riffs I've ever heard. Like, yeah. one of my favorite songs, my two favorite songs in this, well, there's I got a couple of favorites. It actually was hard for me to pick one.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: the guitar riffs on Favorite, um, just rocks like mm-hmm. it's got that kind of like it's got this almost like it sounds like pop rocks being crushed together like i just love it like mm-hmm. it's clean and it's a little grungy at the same time and it's were there any guitar like were there any of the when you were listening to them you were
0: just like mm, this is catchy i mean the I, I mean i will say the album is catchy like i mean and that's like i mean that's what pop music is designed to do right it's supposed yeah. to be that earworm that just gets stuck in your head i mean you like even, yeah out of your
1: head like yeah just, it,
0: yeah, really good, and I will say it too. I mean, like I know that like it's like I don't think that some of these songs are just shock and awe value of like being horny. Like I mean, I think about too. Like you said, like the critics at this time, the the you know the zeitgeist is is white dudes. I mean, it hasn't changed much. Right, really. it's white no, dudes on the, the show. Much, <laughs> white, white dudes but... run the show, right? So here's a woman who's just like who is. I mean. I, maybe, like, the prototype, like, Phoebe Bridgers at the time, right? Of like, an indie rock yeah. queen that yes. guys sort of fawn over. She's, like, a sexual, yes. like, idol to them, right? Like, but, like, the second she starts seeing a lot of stuff, she's, like, you know, almost, like, like, Blink can do this and get famous. She does this, and it's, like, what is, like, this is goofy stuff. What's going on? This, right? You know what I mean? But I, And I think that there is some... Um, I think there's obviously some very seriousness in some of these things, but also some like tongue in cheekness, right? I, I mean, I think like how White Comic can be a very tongue in cheek song about like, yes, being like, look, like I'm gonna sing about this stuff because the like, guys can do it too, and like, why can't you know, where like, the double? I think she's like putting the why double standard, yes. at, yeah, why can't I, right? She's putting the double standard on its pedestal and saying, I'm gonna shoot this thing down because I'm the sphere because I do the fuck I want, right? Um, so I kind of appreciate that about the lyricism here too, like for us. Because because honestly, if you pulled some of her lyrics and just you know stripped away like the music and the list fair name and just put them on a wall, took some of Blink's old lyrics and put them on the same wall, it,
1: you, yeah, it could probably, be it'd be hard to tell. Yeah, like favorite, like you're my favorite underwear. Like Blink One Eighty Two could have said that. Like they could that, I mean, yeah, but, e, that, I bet you they have. I bet yeah. you that was like a lyric that they came up with one day. They're like that's pretty good. Let's, let's <laughs> throw that one away. Like it's like you're t- like the songs on Liz Fair. And and Liz Fair, like always had this kind of like lo-fi indie quality like that was part of her charm where she was she was making things that were kind of like stripped away and it was mm-hmm. like very raw and vulnerable and I think part of the backlash to this record is that people felt like wait like this is like is she like joking like by mm-hmm. making this like kind of poppy album that almost at times like seems like really bathed at and surface level yeah um but it's still got that same like minimalism to it like even though it's mm-hmm. a big production album like these songs are really simple and i don't mean that in a bad way like mm-hmm. i feel like what she was thinking about is just like how can i write the catchiest song like mm-hmm. just to, just to kind of sound like with the bare essentials that is going to get stuck in your head and mm-hmm. blade, 82, um, blade 182 on blade 182 kind of like went in the opposite direction
0: yeah, uh, they, like, so many layers on
1: top of <laughs> Like,
0: they have like organs in there. They have they have so much stuff on this album that like it's it's it, it, like the Blink album sounds like like a very produced album. It's a very yeah. large swathing scale of an album. Um, where yeah, I agree. Like, it's fair. Is like it's yeah. There's a big production team, but it's a very tight album in terms of like the music and like the um, the instruments that are on it. It's not so, a very it's it's not like very overproduced. I would I would say.
1: It's not like not at all. Like it sounds like very hands off. So mm-hmm. there are there are fifteen songs on Blank one eighty two. And ten one of the longest now,
0: records today. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like and it and what I'm gonna say is like it it and I, this does not mean that like it's difficult to get through, but it feels long.
0: Yeah, it's a long it, album.
1: It feels long. And Liz Fair does not feel long at all. That mm-hmm. thing just breezes right by like it's yeah. an easy easy listen and it's fifty minutes and it's fourteen songs yeah like but I feel like if you were like I would if I didn't know that I'd be like Liz fair is like twenty minutes shorter yeah but like because playing2 like you're saying there's a whole nother they're they're just opening up a lot of different textures.
0: there's like two records in this in this one record I mean because I, I feel like I always thought that always was the um I always thought that all. i saying always so many times. Uh, I always thought that always was the last track on the album when I was when I was younger, and I went back to it now, and I was like, wait, there's like like a half an album left after all. Yeah,
1: I I did too, and you want to know why I think that is? Is because when Blink One Eighty Two released like the Greatest Hits package. Yeah, like, do you remember the Greatest Hits CD. Mm-hmm. For what I I want to say that always was like the song that they put out that like promoted that album.
3: It, and it, maybe that's because awful. it's the
1: fourth. It's like the fourth single off of Blink One Eighty Two. So I wonder if they were just trying to like give it a little bit more love. But yeah, Blink One Eighty Two on I think it's obvious is yeah, obvious is the second song. That song to me is like schooled Nickelback on that, <laughs> that that guitar tone uh-huh. and talk like. The one song that I remember, like people at my high school talking about, being like, "What the fuck is this song?" Like, I don't know if I like this song. Oh, is Stockholm Syndrome, and Stockholm Syndrome mm, is the one that opens with the letter.
0: Yeah. Well, so
1: or an interlude on it. So, like, yeah, that just tells you all you need to know. But talk to me about this letter.
0: Yeah. So the letter actually is um, is being read by, I believe, Mark Hopkins's grandmother. Yes. Wow. Uh, and and the letter is the letter that her husband sent to her in World War Two. So it's a real letter. Like these are real okay. things that they say. And the line uh, "I'm completely lost without you, darling. I'm lost without you" is a recurring line and theme in the entire album. And not only is that uh, a recurring theme, it is like the last letter. It's oh, sorry, it's the last track of the album. I'm lost without you. And the preceding track is here's your letter. So I think this letter serves yep. as like, a really central like. Like, 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 focus point for what the themes, album: longing, despair, war, and violence, right, um, like, you know, like I said, this album is a response to, like, of nine eleven as well, right, so the Iraq war, we have, you know, math, we're seeing the massive political shifts, uh, in our country that kind of, like, led us to where we are now, I feel like, um, and there's just, like, so there's just like, so much, I think, that happens at the, the, the center seat of what this letter is doing, um, you know, and I think and I I I will say it's always jarring when I get to that interlude because it's like I was like I was like what is going on? I was like this is like this doesn't feel like it belongs here. And then especially because it's also the- long. Like <laughs> it is quite long, yeah. And also because the song Stockholm syndrome sounds like nothing it sounds like it has nothing to do with the letter itself. Um yeah, but, it
1: would have made more sense if they had followed that with Here's Your Letter, but they didn't do that. They were just yeah. like, No, we're gonna we're gonna follow it up with something else. And Stockholm Syndrome is one of those songs that like it's never it's never stuck with me. It's like it's one of the songs like from the album. It just doesn't it just doesn't stick with me. Like I can't yeah. even I t- I can't even talk about it right now because I don't even remember it.
0: Yeah. And it's weird because like when I come this on though, I do find my head bopping. Though. Okay, I, yeah. I, like the, the drums are like going off like and I'm, like this is the
1: first.
0: And like, I, like that's like kinda catchy. But like the thing is though it's,
1: e- ca- it's a heavy, it's a heavier sound. Like yeah. it's a little heavier.
0: It's more scream, it's almost got like a little out to it. Definitely. Yeah, you have Tom Delong just like pushing the like the upper register of his vocals. But I think that like I also this, I think the song is catchy, but I think And this is a a tribute, uh, you know, like a a nod to how good this album is. Is that this song is catchy, but there's so many other even catcher songs, which is crazy because this song is very catchy. Like it is, it does have that same like, like this hypnotic feel to you, like almost like a Stockholm Syndrome kind of feeling. Like, oh, I'm like, I'm changing my allegiances to what I feel because, like, it's it's a jarring song, but it gets you to like it by the end of it. I feel like, Um,
1: like I like a song that is even more like more memorable to me and like it's funny because like i feel like stockholm syndrome was like if you were to ask Blink 182 and be like what's your favorite song on this album i bet you they would pick stockholm syndrome because it's like mm. so different from other things that they were doing but like the fallen interlude which is like literally just an intro it's got like the messing around with like synthesizers and keyboards and it sounds like fucking elevator music and yeah it's awesome like i love that song mm. Like, I just love, like, it's almost like it's got, like, a little bossa nova-ish to it. Like, yeah. this, this album is basically Blank 182 being, like, we can do a lot of different things. Like, I think it's yeah. really filling off like, how talented they are as musicians mm-hmm. and that they're not just going to play, like, the same, like, three-chord power-pop chug that, yeah. like, they basically got, like, really famous off of doing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the song that... it And it's funny because... The song that is probably maybe the biggest departure on this album is the one that might be like, I don't know if you could go as go far and say like, miss, I miss you is like the definitive Blink-182 song, but it's up there.
0: Oh, man. It's, it's a I'm going to. It's a top five. I'm going to come in and just say th- every th- Blink th- fan and say, this is the best Blink song that exists. And I, look, if you trump the podcast now, that's fine. I, that Respect on you for standing it ground. This is the best blink song that's ever been created. I'm gonna die on that hill, Pro- probably because someone will shoot me on that hill. They're like, "Get, you need to die and get out of this world." But like, this song is unbelievable. Like, it's a great song. It's
1: uh, it's got the second most streams on Spotify of their of their. Yeah,
0: time. It, and like I get like, that it's like a stuff. yeah, and and, and, I, and I get that it's like a meme song to a lot of people because just like you know it's like the classic. It's like it's a, this is the song where people make fun of Tom I like, "Where are you?" Right, but it's just like. But if you, okay, but take away his vocal affect for a second, right? And just l- listen to those two lines. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. I cannot sleep. I cannot dream to tonight. Tonight. Like, you Like, this is, like, some of the most poetic lyricism that they've, like, accomplished. I mean, also the, the, lyrics, on it, this song, the lyrics
1: on this song are amazing.
0: Unbelievable. I mean, like, look, look I get it. It's, I, I get, again, I get it's a meme to, like, to sing in, the, in the, the long voice, but, like, the line just don't waste your time on me. You're already the voice inside my head is one of the most like haunting, endearing, like desirous, longing lines I've ever heard, and then it just Mark Hoppus deep background vocal. I miss you. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's like one of like that song destroyed my idea of like <laughs> like like what like. like, 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 like you know, I was, like, a brooding teenager who was, like... Who, would, like, never had a girlfriend and, and was just, like, sad about love all the time. I heard this song and I was, like, I don't know shit about love. Because I've never felt this about someone yet. Um, like, this song, like, reminded me that, like, I didn't know anything about anything at all. Um, and, like, the instrumentation, like, the upright bass on this song. Yeah, like, right. y- you, you can hear you can hear it in the song. Which is awesome. It's sick. I mean... And and he there's a it's a great drum line in this. Like he's mm-hmm.
1: got those, I don't know what you call them, but it's like those like really like the, 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 the brushes. The, yeah. the brush strokes. And like that's just all he's using with like a snare kit, basically. And you can mm-hmm. hear him in there, but he knows like not to not to jut in too heavily onto the song. Like he just yeah. needs to kinda like ride in there in the background because really like the what sells this song are the lyrics. Like it it's it's the lyrics of the song and I love the, my my favorite lyrics on this album are from I Miss You and it's um like like uh, like indecision to call you the webs what is it the webs from all the spiders catching
0: things eating their insides
1: inside like indecision to call you like that's that's like yeah. that's a that's a perfect pop punk line because it's yeah like, it's like that last bit like indecision to call you which is just like such a like a teen oh. like anxiety yeah like, like oh young. Person feeling, but it's like that's just like great metaphor on top of it, and the video, which mm. is is iconic. I would say, like this is an iconic video, and Mm. those fucking spiders fighting in this video, I hate it. When I rewatched it, I I, I remember how much I fucking
0: hate it. I hate God. I mean, for those listening. I have the biggest fear of spiders in my life. Like, I scream like a three-year-old girl, like, no exaggeration, uh, when I see a spider. It doesn't matter how small. Like, I've had Ma already kill, like, two spiders in this house. or he's killed kill spiders in the old house. Um, that is, it's just horrendous. And yet, I will still watch the video because I know the payoff is so beautiful. But, like, also to, to jump off, uh, like, the, like, the, like, the line, like, in to call you, that's a great end. But then you get three more unbelievable lines and hear your voice of treason like yeah. what a what if like what, a, what a also classic pop punk play on words just like you know voice of reason to treason and then but then you have just like this like endearing like y- you're the voice of treason you've hurt me i feel betrayed like something isn't working to us but still will you come home and stop this pain tonight stop, stop this, this pain tonight. tonight oh
1: fuck man well, that's
0: what they <laughs> harmonize
1: like they come in on that harmonize yes, yeah beautiful and like the way that like the strings open up in the middle of the song. Boom. It's a like this is a beautiful song. And I I don't think I can say yeah I don't think you can say this is a definitive blink one eighty two song because it's it's just it sounds so much different than everything they did before. But I think you can argue it's the best blink 182 song.
0: And I will argue it to to my dying breath. I would
1: I have a song on Liz Fair that is kind of like "I Miss You," and I think it just like object. Like, is it my favorite song on Liz Fair? No, is it the best song on Liz Fair? Yes, I would say it's mm-hmm. the best song on Liz Fair, and that is "Little Digger." Mm-hmm. Um, like, like we've talked about, there's a lot. I think that Liz Fair on Liz Fair is having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a lot of these songs are meant to just be catchy and try and get them stuck in your head. And like, so "Little Digger" is about uh, a ki- like basically a kid, walking in on their mom who's with who's cheating on their dad,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, and there are st- basically just Liz Fair and the piano,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and I think her this is like probably her best vocal performance on here, and like mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that she's trying to get all like fucking Christine egg Ag- like j- there's there well, like mm-hmm. this is a- it's clever and. Uh, my my favorite lyrics on the song are, you put your trucks up on the bed next to him so he can get a better look at them. You say, this one's my favorite one. This one you can't have. Mm. I got it from my dad.
0: It's, it's like, you're that guy and you're like, oh. Just wow. like
1: a poignant moment of like, mm-hmm. if you're a child and just, it's like, it, I feel like what this song does is it? It gives credit to like a young child's understanding of the situation. Mm-hmm. Like it's told from their perspective. It's like the kid knows what's going on. and It is just like you can't have yeah. this. This is my dad's, and it's like kind of a little bit of a knife. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a great song. Like it, yeah. it, it's a great song. And beautiful song. Yeah. It, it and it is like kind of like I miss you. Like it's a more stripped down serious um song that she wrote on this one and it's kind of different than everything else that uh is on the album um mm-hmm. but the sequencing of it and this this is like we're uh, uh, something that we'll talk about a little bit later so i wanted to add this is a category is just like track sequencing mm-hmm. This fair to such a smooth ride is the sequencing is like really really good like mm-hmm. these tracks just kind of like they just flow, like, one into the other, into the other. And Little Digger, um, which I feel I feel like the easier move would be to, like, take Little Digger and just put it towards the end.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: we just kind of put that as, like, maybe, maybe where My Bionic yeah, Eyes is on this album, where it's, like, not the penultimate track, but the one before that. And Little yeah. Digger is, like, smack in the middle of this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's right between... Take a look and Firewalker, and Firewalker is like also like a little bit of a different song, so it's almost kind of like a transitional moment. Yeah, come um, is a little bit more serious, it's like, mm. and it's more um, like about songs about like relationships. Like Good Love Never Dies is in there, and Friend of Mine is in there, and those are like mm. a little bit more serious about like fleeting relationships or having trying to like stay loyal and have faith in a relationship i miss you is like towards the top and Blink One Eighty Two is a little bit more like all over the place i feel like yeah. in terms of sequencing, like they're just like jumping from like one song to, song to another song to another song to another song to another song yeah and i think that that's kind of what makes it feel long
0: like i agree blink-
1: I, yeah the balls on blink 182 to bury their fucking collaboration with robert smith like at the back back on the back of this album which <laughs> Totally forgot that Robert Smith was on this thing and Yeah, so did I all of this rules <laughs> like that yeah. song is fucking awesome.
0: It's it like I feel like all this links back a little bit to a miss you because it has that like Transylvanian as like vampire like it's a, it to me it feels like a very vampire y song. Just and I think it's just because of Robert Smith's vocals, who's just like yeah, I mean you're you know, you're bringing Robert we Smith know where we go. It seems like Dracula singing to me. Um, fun fact, actually, about this song is that um, this w- would have been, if, if, if the band had taken their uh, hiatus after this, this would have been the fourth single, and the music yeah. for the song was supposed to be directed by none other than M. Night Shyamalan, um, which would have been wild. wild. Yeah, and he like said, Shama,
2: was gonna and direct he, the video. And he
0: said, I love this song almost in the video for this. It would have been about vampires because this song has a massive vampire vibe to it. I'm telling you. I like can't a believe vampire is <laughs> But I mean, yeah, this is, yeah, there's like a lot of variation in the way that like Blink is like working on just i guess the layering i guess yeah like the layering they're just laying a lot of different things together and like it almost feels like uh it, it, it like feels like a farewell album in, in a way because like i feel like when bands are on the precipice of like losing it all or they're like teetering on the edge of things they start putting all because like, it's like this is the last time that to do all these things And even if they didn't know this is gonna be their last album as a trail yeah. like this, you know? Because even when they come back, they're different, right? Like, they've done Boxcar Racer, they've done Plus 44, they've done England Airwaves. They're a different band, different people, when they come back in, like, 08, 09. But, like, this was the last time they were Blink as we knew them, you know? Um, and I think that, like, you can feel that, like, existential crisis of a band, to existing in the way that it sequences songs. Uh, I'm gonna... Even though I love... I love I Miss You... So much, but I was when I was rewatching the videos again, like just like the other day, I was like, I was watching the video for always, and I was like, you know, hold on, like maybe this is me prescribing too much to the video itself, but like something about having the three lines of the video just like not sync up to each other, they're always like they're always like a little stutter step, a little not on the same page. That just feels to me like how the feelings of being, you know, in, uh, in a teenager in your early twenties in love and like. Things not like we're working out the way we want them to, like something's always disjointed, there's always something in the way. There's you know, and also just like the lyrics of that song, I think, hit me a lot too. Just because, like, the opening, of, like, I've been here a few times, I've been here before a few times, and I'm quite aware we're dying. Like, what, like, uh, like to me, knowing Tom DeLong, it's not just that uh, I'm aware that like our relationship is dying, but just an awareness of like we are all every second dying. And that's like the most Tom DeLonge thing I think you could like throw into a song. Um, and then just like I mean, like this is this song is almost all Tom DeLonge besides uh, the outro uh, with Mark Hoppus. But like even verse two, just like uh, and I'll miss your laughter, smile. I'll admit I'm wrong if you tell me I'm so sick of fights. to hate them. Let's start this again for real. Like this whole like this whole song is Tom DeLonge besides just. Mark is saying always. And so this, this whole thing is just Tom's, like, this could be a farewell to the band, it could be a farewell to his lover, a farewell to what he knows of himself, but just, like, I think the chorus is so endearing and the juxtaposition of the chorus of, of being, like, let me hold you, touch you, and feel you kiss you always, to juxtapose to, uh, in the video Tom DeLong is being, like, uh, in, in the video Tom DeLong is not getting this reciprocated love from the partner and she's, you know, you sneak it around to other members of the band kind of maybe also even depicting the way that like the band itself is pulling its you know uh is uh pulling towards mark hoppus and travis barker a bit more versus just tom um and that that could be a stretch on, on me saying that part but i don't know i, I just i th- I,
1: I think there's something to that like that is the thing that like i really thought about when i was watching this video and I, I will apologize. Like I'm having some connectivity issues over here, so i I <laughs> totally missed everything you just said. I'm sure it was great. No, um, worries. <laughs> but the and we'll edit that part out. But um, like the video for this, like like the grid style lines, where it's like I don't even know what you call that. Like how like it's each of them filmed separately and then they kind of tracked it on top of each other. Yeah. Like it is kind of like they're going separate directions. Like they're all experiencing mm-hmm. the same thing, but it's all happening to them kind of differently. And yeah. it is kind of like this this nod to like this we're going our separate ways like at this point yeah. in time. And it's very fitting that like this so this was the last single from the album. They had a plan, I guess, to release For all more. this. Yeah, and, and but they this is the last one that they got up. I mean, they got four singles. Like, four singles is a lot to dump out of an album. Liz Fair only got two. Liz Fair, because it didn't do very well, we'll talk about that. But like Extraordinary yeah. and Why Can I were the only singles that were released off Liz Fair. Um I I <sighs> again, only when I two are really good at making videos. Always is a good music video. However, I'm gonna tell you the music like and I think. I'm actually not going to say that Miss You is the best video here. Um, and I'm going to just go off the one that, like, just stuck in my head for forever. Mm-hmm. And and I still remembered it. Even, like, when we were going to talk about these albums, I was like, this is the video I remember. And that's the video for Down. Like, and that's not yeah. because Terry Crews is in there, which I forgot about. Um, but Terry Crews is in the video <laughs> for Down. Um, like, he's, the, he's a, <laughs> like, like, I don't understand this video. It's like someone's on the run from the police. And, like, they definitely yeah. paid a lot of money for it because, like, they've got a helicopter, <laughs> like, police chase in here. And Blink-182's yeah. playing in, like, an abandoned building, which is their favorite place to play during music videos. Like, with yeah, they, they love and that. <laughs> an Adam song. Like, they love that. But it's just, I don't know what, like, I remember down being at kind of, like, the bottom of TRL. Like, it would kind of, like, hover around, like, 8, 9. And I remember I used mm. to, like... I would tune it like I would tune into TRL, and I would see it, and I was just like, "This is a fucking travesty." I was just like, "This video needs to be at the top of this countdown." Like, I'm so <laughs> fucking sick of seeing like Skater Boy. Like, this video oh, yeah. to should be towards the top of this. Um, hmm. So that that for me is like the most memorable one, and I feel like Down, like Down, is a more like straight down the middle Blink One Eighty Two song. It's got a little bit of like flavor like the feeling this flavor where it kind of like Mm -hmm. it's a little more bass heavy and it's got like a really huge like the drumming on down is fucking awesome and it's got like a really drum interlude and i think it like it kind of ends with that little like piano line which i like a lot like Mm -hmm. when they made this album like you're saying like they got together they were all they were they were like let's try writing this together and they wrote all these songs together and blink 182 was, like, a huge hit. Like, mm-hmm. commercially, the song was massive. Like, it got them more critical accolades um, than they'd ever gotten before. Um, what... I'm, I don't know what the the sales numbers were like on Plank 182 but I imagine they were pretty good. Um, yeah. So, what? Or... I not even want to count Neighborhoods as a Plank 182 album, even <laughs> though there are some decent songs on there. And, like... There were a couple good ones. Yeah. And like this to me is effectively the end of Blink 182. So what the hell happened?
0: Yeah, so I mean they like they like just had it's like so prior to this to uh, this album in 2002 um, Travis and um, Tom had done Boxcar Racer, right? And which, which fucking rules by the was way, awesome. I'm just yeah. it was- here and
1: <laughs> Boxcar Racer you can't like beef all day. I love it.
0: Yeah, really good. Like, just really good music come out of that. And I think Mark Hoppus felt strange about it, but then also this album like catapulted their success into like just you know to Saturn. Um, with that being said, though, Tom wanted like was feeling the stress of not being with his family. Uh, he just felt the stress of the band was like too much. They're just getting too big too fast, and he wanted tend to slow things down mm-hmm. where mark and travis were like we want to keep going with this we're you know we're more creative and so then um th- you know mark and travis started plus 44 which is not as well known as boxcar racer but has some like really good tracks on there like when your heart stops speeding like
1: fucking plus 44 sucks like it's not good <laughs> like guys, I i fucking stand on that like plus 44 is not good Boxcar Racer is way better. There's a song, and like so, you're saying Mark Office was sad that they started Boxcar Racer. Mark Office gets the song on "Bark." Boxcar Racer. Elevator is a great song, and he sings. Yeah, it. he
0: do- he so does race. get time in there, but yeah, I think he was just it, just like he was just like you know, you guys like kind of did this without me, and I was kind of messed up.
1: So I mean, well, so it was like the band was growing too fast, and I mean, they definitely like. That makes sense to me. I mean, they went from, like, just being basically, like, a California punk basement show band
3: to mm-hmm. being,
1: like, massive. Like, yeah. like really being, huma- like, I would, like, they probably, they've not had as long of a career, but at their peak, like, Blink-182, like, felt bigger than Green Day to me. Like, it felt bigger. Like, I they, agree. it agree, yeah. Yeah. And... So it's and then they just broke up, and it's a shame because like Blink One Eighty Two shows them like going in a pretty exciting direction, I think. Mm-hmm. And Neighborhood isn't a bad album, but it's just a time thing. Like they just came back, and it was just kind of like, eh, you know, like yeah, it just like was wasn't, really
0: yeah, it just yeah, it just wasn't the same. Like they just came back with that album, and it's like this album would have been like great to hear in two thousand and five or six, not in two thousand eleven. Like, I think the genre had moved on, like, from, like, and it sounds bad, but like, the genre moved on from them. The genre itself had changed so much in that time. Like, I mean, even pop punk bands, even in 2011 and 12, sound so different than what pop punk sounded like, you know, 10 years prior. Um, you know, this is used to be a wave of, like, real friends, Knuckle Puck, Wanda Years, um, you know, all these other folks that are just citizen turnover, like, the, the, the new wave of pop punk. And so, um, yeah, it just felt like just felt like the wrong time for this album to come out for them. Uh, and and there are some like really good songs. Like I love like Kaleidoscope, uh Wishing Well, um Up All Night. Like there's some like there's like are some pretty good tracks in there, but also you can hear I think too much of angles and airwaves in neighborhoods. Yep. you can just hear how much that leaked into the sound there. And it just no longer was like it seemed less of the collaboration that we see on Blink One Eighty Two. At least in my opinion.
1: That I'm I'm glad you brought up Angels and Airways. Like, I'm a big Angels and Airways guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm Lost Without You, which is the last song on Blink One Eighty Two. That sounds a lot like Angels and Airways. Like yeah. it sounds it sounds so much like Angels and Airways that it kind of sounds like the gift off of the first angels and airwaves album
3: mm-hmm. and like
1: it's more like it's heavier it's slower it's more melodic
3: mm-hmm.
1: um and like that was kind of interesting to be to hear that on blink 182 like i don't think i had ever really listened to blink 182 all the way through and to kind of get there at the end and i was mm-hmm. just like oh it's like this is basically where like tom Delong was going to end up going
0: like yeah
1: for liz fair like Most fair ends with good love never dies, which is at the time was like the song that music critics pointed out and being like, okay, here's like one good song. I wish this entire album was like this. (laughs) Um, Because it's also like a little slower. It's a little bit more like melodic. It's got a more complex arrangement to it. And Mm -hmm. like, it's bittersweet. It's a bittersweet song about like a failing relationship and just like trying to recommit to it. And, like, hoping that, like... It's got that... It still, like, simmers with a little bit of horniness because it's definitely about, like, fucking to preserve this thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and, like, which sticks with which tracks are the themes of the album. But, like, for Liz Fair, like, Liz Fair the album went gold. Um, that was probably disappointing for, like, what Matador would have... Probably wanted to see from it, like it's yeah. still pretty good for like an album that's on an indie label. And again, mm-hmm. like why can't I was like a legitimate hit? But Liz Fair was just Liz Fair just got fucking crushed by critics. Like this album yeah. got a zero point zero from Pitchfork. It's like there's probably like three of those <laughs> out there, and like Liz Fair is one of them. And I'm just gonna read like some of the reviews of Liz Fair and. And they're mean, like, like these reviews are mean. So like here, here are a couple of examples of them. Um, this is from Q magazine, which has called it embarrassing. Uh, awesome. Uncut said this is turgid formulaic guff. Uh, pop matter says this is a highly overproduced, shallow, soulless, confused, pop by the numbers disaster. <laughs> that betrays everything the woman stood for a decade ago. And most heinously betrays all her original fans. Oh, no. Um, yeah, yeah. So, really, just some not nice things in here. Um, this is Stylus Magazine. There's a, a glistening veneer of contented happiness coating the record as if some adult oriented radio programmer gleefully sat on it, but the tragedy is it fair is wholly complicit in this utter waste of talent. So, like, these, these are the kind of things people said about this album. Like They were like, not kind. They were not kind to it at all. And, again, like, there actually aren't that many mean lines in the Pitchfork review. I did read it, but they gave it a 0 out of 10, which, I mean, like, really no album deserves a 0 out of 10. I mean,
0: and, and, and like, to compare that to uh, Pitchfork gave Blink's latest album a 9, which was... A travesty a 5.2 and that and that was not a good album and like i don't think blues fair deserves zero uh a zero any. is like i don't think anything deserves a zero
1: to so be like yeah. zero is just like it's mean like it, it's mean for the sake of being mean yeah and i feel like what like it was a statement Like they came out and basically were saying, like this version of Liz Fair is bullshit, and she's like completely sold out of why we like her in the first place. Uh And what's like here? Here's what I have to say about that. Like, I think that a lot of like male music critics liked Liz Fair again because she fit into this box that they understood. Like they recognize like the music that was popular at the time on websites like Pitchfork was pavement. And you have this kind of like slackerish, highbrow, like indie rock kind of music where like it's very wordy, it's clever, but it doesn't sound like it's trying very hard. And mm-hmm. Liz Barrett, like just happened to write right into that, um, with Exile and Guyville and Whip Smart and White Chocolate Space Egg. Like she, yeah. she was writing kind of in that lane. She was, d- and she was putting her own spin on it by talking about like, Songs that are specifically about being a woman And talking openly about sex And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of male music Critics kind of like got off on that Like yeah. I think there's like a fetishization Of like like you were saying Like there, there's this kind of idea Of like Liz Fair is that girl that you can go out And have a beer with like mm-hmm. And they're like I like this about her And then as soon as she tried to do Like a pop album they were like nope eh, yeah. Like get rid of this And we're like in Just in terms of like critically like what, we're, like on this podcast, you know, we're talking about pop and punk music and a, a lot, oftentimes the intersection of the two of them. And mm-hmm. when Lizard came out in 2003, we were before, like, this is before the whole like pop-in this move. Like nowadays, indie rock blogs will uh, gladly talk about like the new Carly Rae Jepsen album and they'll have very nice things to say about it. Like, yeah like I talked about like Pitchfork reviewed Beyonce's album this week. They reviewed Lizzo's new album like a couple of weeks ago and -hmm. they didn't have a lot of nice things to say about the new Lizzo album, but you know what? Like they wouldn't have even reviewed it in like back in 2003. They would have just ignored it and act like it didn't exist because it didn't fit into like this little box that they had.
0: Unfortunately,
1: Mm -hmm. Liz Fair like was just a little bit ahead of her moment. Like she was trying to blend like her indie rock sensibilities with her pop sensibilities, and I think honestly she did a pretty good job of that, and mm-hmm. she just got fucking crushed for it. And it's a shame because, really, like her career, just in terms of like critically and sales wise, never recovered from this. Yeah, like she basically um, she released one more album uh, from Matador. Um, after this one. And that one is called Somebody's Miracle. And that also got fucking slammed in the press. And then she just disappeared. And she just said, okay, like, uh, she went and she composed for TV for a while. She actually won an award for some stuff she did on the 90210 reboot.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she came back in 2016 with an album called Fun Style that she had to self-release because her, like, capital wouldn't put it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there might have been good reasons for that. There is a track of her, like, rapping over a Bollywood beat and it's not good um so like that just <laughs> it. i'm gonna look that so up
0: like immediately maybe after we get off this call
1: it's not good um <laughs> but like you know the influence of bliss fair is pretty big like we talked a little bit earlier on this podcast about phoebe bridgers like mm-hmm. phoebe bridgers is definitely pulling from this fair and there are a lot of like today, like Liz Fair was kind of part of she was Liz fair was part of like the original Liz Fair tour, which mm-hmm. was Sarah McLaughlin's big like um traveling tour where she went with just female like mostly like rock folk Americana singers um, mm-hmm. Liz Fair was part of that I feel like right now um, there are is like a new generation of female. Um, rock singer songwriters, you've got Phoebe Bridgers, you've got Lucy Dacus, you've got Julian Baker, you've got Haley Williams still around, like, mm-hmm. you've got um, Snail Mail, and mm-hmm. you've got um, Soccer Mommy, mm-hmm. um, Mitski like, you've got a lot of these artists, and they all like owe something to Liz Fair. And if, if um, I mentioned Soccer Mommy, um, Sophie Allison, like one of her biggest inspirations is Liz Fair. And mm. specifically <laughs> the album that she talks about is Liz Fair. Mm. Like it's those clean guitar, like those catchy hooks that mm. like she's just like trying to replicate in her music. I so, could definitely
0: hear that in on her new album a little bit too.
1: Yeah. Like Liz Fair, like Liz Fair is a fucking G and like she doesn't have to do anything that she doesn't want to do and like her space and her place in, in Indie Rock's history is like fully cemented. Mm-hmm. And it was good to see, like, um, back in, what was it? 2000, and yeah, 2021, last year, Liz Fair released uh, Soberish, which is like a quietly excellent album. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's great. She was supposed to go on tour with Alanis Morissette, but had to cancel. And that really bummed me out because I wanted to go see that. So <laughs> I hope this Liz Fair, like, I hope whatever whatever Fair is doing, she's doing a great job at it because she's good at whatever she does.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the influence of Blink-182, like, on Blink-182, I think it's just as big. Like, Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a record that shows that pop-punk can do lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And, like it are we're, we're talking about like kind of the rebrand right like what, yeah. like the rebrand and fair is basically saying i can be a commercial pop star if i want to be like i yeah. don't have to do this like indie rock chick i don't have to do that and blink 182 is saying we don't have to be like some pop punk band that just talks about like getting naked and like getting <laughs> drunk and passing out on someone's lawn like we had like we can talk about serious things and we can make a serious sounding album rule. We can throw fucking two interludes on it. If we want to do that.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, like, that, this, I feel like this album just like really, like I said, it just shaped the stage for what the genre was going to be for the next, like almost decade. Like it really did.
1: Yeah. And, and to me, like to me, it's the definitive Blink-182 album. This is the yep. definitive one.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It captures everything that they're good at and like like i would i i would still argue like there are a lot of pop punk like I say has gone in a completely different direction from this Oh yeah. um blink 182 are like on the mount rush for pop punk they're on mm-hmm. there and at the time there was nobody as good as them um and i think like you could still say that now like on on blink 182 that album holds up against anything that you want to you want to pull from this era you want to pull from like the wonder years spanish love songs that we talked about last week blink 182 that thing fucking holds up it doesn't sound old for a second
0: Mm-hmm. yeah it, it really stands the test of time i mean i th- i i think you're yeah i mean saying that Blinks on the the watch when i feel like it, i feel like it's hard to be a band that also gets, or, or to be any artist, any genre, to say that you're on the Mount Rushmore of what that genre is. And, like, I think you mentioned, you know, like you said, I feel like it's like Green Day, Blink-182. I mean...
1: Like, if we're talking, like, this era, if we're talking, like, 2000, I guess, uh, like, Green Day are so hard to put on a thing, because, like... I, I'm thinking of, like...
0: I think of, like, the Mount Rushmore of, like, what invented the genre, like, what gave it its roots, you know, like, uh, the founding, or maybe, like, the founding fathers of the genre, it's, like, it's, like, Green sure. Day is up there, uh, Blink is up there for sure, um, I think you could definitely argue a little bit of, um, like, early Paramore. Motion City soundtrack, I think Paramore comes later, I think, by like, I think, like, because, like, Paramore came in 2000, I guess, like, around now, like, or, or when this album comes out, right, it, it, yeah, it I comes think out I... in 03. But I feel like... Yeah,
1: I think Riot Riot is around now.
0: Yeah. Riot, Riot's 05, and I think All you Know is okay. Falling is 03. Um, but, I mean, I think you could argue that, like, you know, Fall Up, can be up there, possibly? Like, because they were yeah. they were around in, like, the early 2000s. Because, like, like they, had, they put out Take This to Your Grave this same year as the, you know, as uh, Blink self-titled. But, I mean, even, like, something corporate. I mean, like, because I guess, I think there's a lot of emo uh not something corporate uh what do i mean to say the get up kids uh, I, I can't wait mix those two up, I yeah, think, like, up like a, yeah definitely get up
1: kids yeah
0: because uh, the 2000s is where the mix of like bright-eyed emo and like west coast pop punk met and that's where we got the amalgamations of like my chem fall Out boy paramore all time low, um, and then subsequent like made a parade, all these things from there, right? Um, but I think like you know the like the, the foundational like the classics of the genre. Like we like I think this is an album that isn't part of the classic canon, but it's part of the canon that created like the next era. Because um, I do think it's such a departure from you know your dude ranch, your end of the state of take this uh, uh, take up your pants and jacket. Um, but it's, yeah.
1: it's like just having I miss you on it, like. Mm-hmm. but just it's just it's like i feel like after that every pop punk fan was like we have to have a slow song on here like we got to have that like slow song like clairvoyant by story so far like i don't know like if they're making that song if i miss you isn't on this album
0: yeah. um you can you can just and, trace the lines of what i miss you has done to like what has to belong on the album like there's got to be an acoustic ballad on every album now, otherwise what are you doing
1: like yeah, and so so with these reaper and like it's interesting that like this is the, the I I bet you there's not an album a self-titled album that's also like a band's last album. And again, like you have to put an asterisk on that for Blink One Eighty Two. But like,
0: mm-hmm. I think the only is- competitor to that is um the Paramore one because that was also they broke up after that album for a little bit and then they came back um with yeah they came
1: back with and with it's like a different lineup like they had a little bit of different lineup and blink 182 would eventually come back Mm
3: -hmm. with
1: a different lineup and like you know they're they're touring now with the dude from alkaline trio which basically just feels like a tribute band to me but, yeah, um, whatever. Uh, there are there are
0: um, rumors that Tom DeLonge is coming back. He put Blink One Eighty Two back into his Instagram bio, and people are like, does this mean he's back in the band? And like, there's been a lot of kerfuffling on the social media landscape about it. So, I think like if
1: Blink One Eighty Two came back, I'd be I'm here for it. I'm here for it, and I'm always here for it. If Liz <laughs> Fair wants to come back, um, <laughs> and and again, like Soberish is a fucking really good album, It's like is is. It was a treat to listen to it, and I was glad to hear her. Like I would say, soberish is like almost like the middle between Liz Fair and something like Exile Guyville. It's it's got like the production Mm -hmm. quality, but it's not as like overtly poppy and like shooting for the middle as Mm -hmm. as Liz Fair is. So let's go. We'll go through the scorecard here. Yeah. Um, and, yeah and we'll we'll see who who our winner is going to be for this one mm-hmm. um uh, so best opening tr- oh, best opening track is feeling this i'm not even gonna i'm not <laughs> even gonna yeah. and try and, like, say extraordinary like <laughs> deserves mention because it's just not as good like feeling feeling this that's, yeah. that's a fucking awesome open it's an awesome song and it's an mm-hmm. awesome opening track there's just no better way to leave off an album so that one's gonna go to blink 182 so yep. that, that that that's no question there thats blink um, yep. so let's go <laughs> okay let's go after that let's go to best deep cut best deep
2: let's go cu- to okay. best deep
1: cut so okay. my, favorite, my favorite deep cut on Liz Fair is Favorite. That's my mm. favorite. And, and I don't know, like, I just love the, the riff on this, like the chorus. Like, I just love it. It's a fun song. It's mm-hmm. kind of a silly song. Like, you're my favorite. Like, uh, you're like my favorite underwear. Just want to try you on and throw <laughs> you around. Like, it's, yeah. But it's so catchy. It's so catchy.
0: Oh man, my favorite deep cut. It's oh shoot, it's so hard. I think it might be violence, uh, which is like an wow. interesting one. Yeah, I know. I, I I actually didn't really like the song a lot when I used to the album when I was younger, but I came down to it, and something about like the like there's like a click on that drum. That's like it's like it just like is just got you going, um, and like the vocal affect of like. um... Because in this song, you have Tom DeLonge with, like, a reverb voice on top. Then you have Mark Hoppus' like, very distinct bass. Like, his his lower register underneath it, too. And that vocal, like, really, like, stuck to me. I don't know. And then, like, I just really like the chorus a lot. Like, like, Violence You Have Me, Forever and After. Because it just felt so primitive in the way that, like, love can work. Like, I mean, like, there is, like, there is a violence in, like, giving yourself and taking from someone else, right? Like, there is, like, a, a violence in the transaction of, like, the relationships we exist in. Um, but, like, but there's also, like, a gift in saying, like, you and I will share this forever. Like, you know, like, you will like you will always have this of me. I will always have this of you. I'm doing this, uh, you know, in this life, the next, and the one after that. Like, I think that, I don't know. It just stuck out to me. Like, I was just listening to it. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's cool. My
1: my favorite deep kind of, like, way is definitely... The Fallen, interlude. like it, and that's like <laughs> as deep of a cut. I feel like you could pull off of an album. Like, yeah. I just love that song. I also love Anesthesia. Like, I like that song a lot too. Anesthesia, yeah. and that's almost that's more like um, kind of like a traditional Blink One Eighty Two song, but it's just like really catchy. Um,
0: mm. and
1: and it just it's <laughs> like I remember kind of like when I was listening to it, I was like, man, this thing. Like they put this thing deep in the album, and it feels like kind of buried in there. But it's a really good yeah. song. Um, I know, like that chorus is
0: also really good too. It's should I go back? Should I go back? Should go I go back? Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's good. That that, that would even be my my uh, runner-up for favorite deep cut because also the meaning of this song is really cool. So the song is actually called Asthenia, but I always want to call it Anesthesia. Also, but Asthenia I don't know how to
1: say it, so I just say I know it's wrong.
0: It's, uh, well, Astonia is the, is a term for when, like, life break down, like, br- like, uh, breaks down in space, like how, like, it just eats away at most life forms, and, like, if like, let's say your suit broke in space or something like that, like, on a different planet, and you started to, like, decay, that's what the term is called, and at the beginning of the track, actually, um, they have actual, like, transmissions from NASA as the intro of that track, which, because, like, as other people know, Tom DeLonge is, like, a nut, he's, like, a space case, like, he thinks aliens are real, uh, yeah, he's,
1: yeah yeah he's, he's, yeah when he he's, wrote um aliens exist like he meant that shit yeah like, that, he, was not that
0: was not that was <laughs> a statement it was just like they are out yeah. there he was like this up. is a
1: serious song like i don't know why people like think this is fun like i this is a yeah. warning <laughs>
0: um i think we so, cut from Liz fair uh i i think favorite is a good, a good one i also liked um shoot what is it called uh i actually like my bionic eyes because it kind of reminded me of face shopping by sophie like it, it as i was thinking about the way of just like you know the the dehumanization and sterilization of women as sex objects and her kind of like like talking about that especially with the line um she says if there's a parallel nation i'm a secret weapon show me a man you cannot break and i'll show you heaven like just like that just felt really like you know like it just that felt like punk rock. Like that that felt like the Liz Fair that like wanted to like put a middle finger face and being like, look, like, I'm a woman in a man's, you know, mans musical space, but I don't give a fuck. Like I'm gonna take what I deserve. I'm gonna make the stuff that I wanna make. And so I thought that was really cool that she was like kind of like put and it's this also buried near the end as well. But like your her last like punch that's to the gut kind of is this like little like punchy song. So I, I think that's my favorite deep cut on the album.
1: It also like it, it's it's got like a little bit different of a texture to it too. It's kind mm-hmm. of it sounds to me like a surf rock song that's been like left out in the sun too long. It's like a little like warbly. Like yeah. it, it's kind of like wavy and like a little bit psychedelic. And that like that's gonna lead into what I'm gonna say is my favorite song on this album. But before we get to that, I think I'm I I, I gotta say like I will say that like I think that Blink 182, even though we like different deep cuts on uh, on Blink 182 like i think it's got more good songs on it mm-hmm. than liz fair does so uh, i i will uh give um beth deep cut off its Blink for this one I, I think that's only fair mm-hmm. um my favorite song on liz fair is uh it's sweet like i just i I love this song and it, it's surprising <laughs> to me. Like, I think a lot of the songs on Liz fair are not surprising. And I think almost are intentionally not like beyond just like her kind of like shifting her sound a little bit. Like when you're just, when you know that and when you're listening to the album, like a lot of these songs are similar, but mm-hmm. it's sweet. Like has, it starts out with this almost like Spengali kind of vibe to it. And then it mm-hmm. just, it just breaks into this like breezy, like effortless, like sliding chorus And I'm like That's that's like to me Like I was talking about With Lisbeth's guitar Like she's so good at that Like yeah. where she's just playing Like a couple of notes And she can just get you She can get your hips moving And she can get your head nodding And like mm-hmm. she can just get right In your, your head And I also love this song Because like It's another like Kind of little dick Like it's about like This dude taking her back Like to his apartment And like trying to woo her over And she's basically like You know it's sweet that, like,
0: you're in you love think, with me. Like, yeah. you think
1: you're in love with me, but, like, this isn't love, we're just gonna fuck, man. So yeah. it's
0: fine. Yeah. don't worry about <laughs> it. Yeah, I think my favorite Liz Fair is between that and probably, like, I, I really do like um, the, uh, the last track, Good Love Never Dies. Like, it's, like, bittersweet. Um, and I think it's, like, a one-on-more, like not to say that the rest of the album isn't endearing, but it's one of the more, like, sincere and sentimental songs that, yeah. like, it's not being as tongue-in-cheek versus the rest of the album is, like, sincere, but also, like, a little, like, ha ah, gotcha, like, with a little, like, of that playfulness. Um, and, I mean, and, and it makes sense, you know, it's it's a last track. Um, and
1: but, it's yeah. got a nice, it's, Again, it's got a nice guitar line on it, too. Like, it, it yeah. ends, basically, with the guitar, like, fade out. And, you know, she's... This is, uh, like it's a good it's a good song and mm-hmm. it's a it's a positive song i could say it's more sincere but i don't think that there's a song on the fair that's as good as the best songs on blink 182 and yeah best song for blink 182 for me this is very difficult because i think it, just bas- <laughs> it basically comes down to for me feeling this and miss you like those yeah. are the two like it's like which one of these is better and i think it's hard to say which one's better but i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with you, just because the lyrics yeah. are just, are just bulletproof
0: yeah same uh, i mean and, yeah i mean yeah just <laughs> what a what a track i mean what a track <laughs> so so far it's
1: so far this has been a route uh, which was which was a fear of mine going into this. I was like, I'm gonna get fucking crushed. Uh, on, on, <laughs> I'm gonna get fucking lit.
0: Up I mean, when we were? I was so me and Mar had to drive out to like Evanston, which is like 30 40 minutes up north. So we were listening to both Blink and The Fair on the way there and back to pick up this like we were getting at our dining table. From this like random couple, and we were playing these albums, and she was just like, she was like, she was like, I love Will so much, but I think we're he's in trouble. <laughs>
1: he's like this. I'm gonna, album. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm clearly in trouble. It's it's three to nothing here. Um, <laughs> so here now, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna go to a category now that I'm going to fucking put my foot down and say that I'm gonna that Liz Fair is better than Blink One Eighty Two in this category, okay. and that's gonna be uh, track sequencing. Like, yeah, I think that the track sequencing on Lizfair is far superior. I think yeah. like I, I think agree. the really the flaw of Blink one eighty two is that it feels long. Like yeah. it it feels long and it's kinda difficult to get through. It just just in terms of being like, This is a lot. Yeah.
3: Um
1: Liz is is you can put that thing on and it'll and you'll wake up the next morning and be like, Why is Rockney in my head? Like Rock Me is one of those dogs where like it might be the most generic song on the entire album. That thing just gets fucking right in your head. Yeah. Um, so, track sequencing, I'm giving that to Liz Fair. She's getting mm-hmm. one there.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think Tree wins that one. I mean, like I, I'm with you. Like, I love this Blink album a lot, but I was kind of shocked when you said they're both kind of the same length. These albums are the same length. Cause like, yeah. Because the Blink one feels twice as long. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it really does. It feels twice as long and like yeah. and how many tracks uh, list for 14 tracks at, at like these are, these are all like a minimum three minute songs like some blink songs go by fast like and there's some like they have like some minute 22 minute songs this album and yeah, like, still go be is
2: fast. Yeah, yeah
0: and still the album feels so yeah I'm, I'm gonna yeah i'm with you i'll give list fair that one i don't need i'm not gonna fight back on that one i think you're totally correct on that that uh that placement
1: Unless you're like Stevie Wonder, you you or Marvin Gaye, you can't have two interludes on an album. Like
0: you yeah. can't do it. That was bold, but, that, that, especially for a pop, especially for a pop punk band. Like two interludes, like and which interesting enough. In, in like I, I'm like I'm saying this only because they were my other pleasure option. The Paramore album is also long as hell, and it has three interludes. It's just like what is happening here. <laughs>
1: They were like they were seeing like what rap artists were doing with the skits, and they were like, Let's do that. They yeah. were like, Let's do that with with intro like basically elevator music. Yeah. Um so okay, so Liz Bear gets on the scoreboard there. It is now three to one. So mm-hmm. I don't think I'm gonna win another one. Um, <laughs> best I really don't. Uh best, best lyric. Um again for me like it's the lyrics to Little Digger I think that's a really
0: great yeah. song and
1: I would say this like for that and I know I'm not going to win this category but the, the like every song has been written before right like yeah. they've all been written like whatever you're talking about written. there are not a lot of songs that are like Little Digger that are mm-hmm. like talking about this perspective of the child like stumbling in on their mom like cheating on their dad and like kind of told from that perspective without being like embarrassingly bad and i think that she nails this song like and and the lyrics to it like they get me they get that that part like this one you can't have uh i got it from my dad like that gets me every time i hear it um but the lyrics to i miss you are just fucking bulletproof there there's again yeah like Uh, indecision to call you 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 can't get past that you can't and also we didn't talk about it but Mark Hoppus' verse on that is also really good.
0: Like, it's really good. Yeah. um, Yeah, I mean, I I do, I I, I agree with you that, like, Little Digger, like, that section you put up there is, you know, like you said, these songs, every song has been before, but the sincerity in writing to your child, and, like, like you said, like, unless you're a parent, you won't even really know how deep this hits, and maybe that's why, you know, like, I can appreciate what it is, but still probably will never really know the depth of that until I myself am a, a parent and like, you know, hopefully not facing this situation, but a situation in which like, you know, my kid is, uh, my child has to kind of see more of like the realness of the world. And like, cause I feel like every parent wants to shield their child from like the darkness or like the toughness out there until there maybe they feel like that they're ready for it. Right. But every kid has a moment where they, they just jump into it a little too early and they're like, oh shit. Now I'm like aware of like, I'm like a sentient human being now. And just, like, life is just worse now. Um, I, and i like, think being that's one of the moments do
1: something bad right? yeah like,
0: this is like your your mom yeah like, also yeah not doing yeah exactly the moment where you also realize your parents are fallible like that's like a really big moment for children like when i realized that like my parents were not like superheroes like they, they will make mistakes and they you know can be foolish and silly and they're just human they're human right like that moment is like a really sh- shocking and jarring moment for any person Parent and child in that situation, so I, th- I think this is a really good track for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, put the, putting that next to like "I miss you" is just like so tough because I mean, like I think like, there's just so many lines on <laughs> I miss you that are that <laughs> it's just yeah. I mean, "I miss you" just carries so much weight behind it. Like that's like that's also song. Like, uh, have there been songs about heartbreak and miss missing one before? Yeah, but has there been a song like "I miss you" that just like rocks you to the very core of what your heart understands? understand? <laughs> I don't
1: know. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Blink-182 doing like their best Gerard way. Like, yeah. it's, you know, they're, and they, they do a pretty good one. Um, yeah. And I'll ta- like, I'll you know, you were talking about how like Little Digger, it's like, maybe like it hits you more if you're a parent And I'm not a parent, but mm-hmm. the Pitchfork review that I brought up, like, totally fucking missed the mark on the song. Like, really? Just the heads the, yeah, like, didn't. They just basically thought it was just like a song about like sleeping with someone. That's all they thought. Like, they just totally missed the mark on it. And actually, the dude who wrote the um, that 0.0 pitchfork review
2: mm-hmm.
1: actually came out in 2019 on Twitter and just like apologized. And uh, <laughs> this is what he wrote. He, he said in 2019. It's almost inconceivable that there would be any controversy around an established indie musician working on a radio-friendly pop album with radio-friendly pop songwriters. To a smug 19-year-old pitchfork writer in 2003, that was him, uh, it was just as inconceivable that an established indie artist would try to or want to make a radio-friendly pop album in the first place. The idea that indie rock and radio pop are both cult- cultural constructs, languages to play with, masks for an artist to try on, yeah, I certainly did not get that, and Liz <laughs> did get that way before many of us did. So there, there has been a little bit of a, like a course correction on Liz yeah. Stare, but it, but again, it's not like it's still not a not a great album. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: It does have a great video, um, mm-hmm. like the video for why can i is pretty good unfortunately <laughs> we're fair here is going up against like
0: some, some, a, some behem- a behemoth of options yeah
1: like a band that is like just quite frankly like really fucking good at music videos and i don't think music videos matter as much anymore mm-hmm. like for a song totally popularity uh-huh. but at this point in time like trl is huge and yeah. like you needed to make a good video to get on there and blink 182 made a lot of good videos and yeah. you you ride to the always video and i think it's, it's a good video like yeah it, it's a good video the i miss you video is, is just it's iconic
0: to me yeah it's, it's so epic. iconic yeah it is. it is and and like honestly before i watched them again i miss you was the video i had in mind as what what my favorite one was but there's something i think there's something about where i am now in my life getting to always and then seeing that video just like I I don't know, struck something in me, I guess, that made it in this moment feel more pertinent. But I mean, yeah, I miss you. I mean, I miss you as just as a single song could have carried this album in a lot of heavy heavy lifting. Like, I mean, what what a track, lyrics, everything.
1: I will say, like, for Always, like, a good case for it being the best video is I feel like the video is more memorable than the song. Like, Always is a good song, but it's not a great song. Mm-hmm. but that video kind of like takes it up yeah so at this point Blink One Eighty Two is a 5-1 um <laughs> and we've got we've got
0: one more category here um mm-hmm.
1: and that we, is album cover
0: we have two and closing track
1: we have two more okay we have best closing song and then best album cover mm-hmm. best album cover i'm gonna give think, it like i'm gonna give it the loose pair
0: yeah uh, i think so too Luce? it's doing something like you know um
1: yeah, the blank 182 now I will say the blank 182 album cover is iconic. Like, yes. because it's got, like, the blank 182 that's, like, the symbol for the band now. Yeah. And I always have liked the colors. Like, because mm-hmm. those colors are in the feeling of this video. Like, it comes out of the smoke, and they're multicolored like that, and they're kind of, like, blending together. Which is interesting, cause it's, like, the album is these blending of three different personalities and these three different colors. But, yeah, at the same time, it's, like, a drawing with some colors on it. Mm-hmm, yeah. And the Liz Bear the Liz Fair album is kind of like her naked with her guitar, and it's got kind of like it's a cla- it's got a classic feel to me. Like that's like mm-hmm. a classic feel, but like her very much like her kind of spin on it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it also like feels like a big rock star kind of move. Like Mick Jagger, I bet you, I bet you every single time the Rolling Stones make an album like the entire photography team has to stop Nick Jagger from getting ass naked and like holding up the guitar in front of his dick for the album cover. Like every yeah.
0: time they have to stop yeah, him from doing for it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and especially, uh, I feel like it's a play too on the way that like, again, like men can expose themselves uh, and do all these crazy, like even blink me too he's running naked to the streets of San Diego in a music yes. video. And like Liz fair makes an album about her sexuality. And she's getting a zero in a pitch. Work. You know what I mean? I like, So I feel like the album cover is saying a lot about like, you know, um, you, you know, just like the stereotypes and the standards we hold against women unfairly versus the way that men have just got away with all this shit for decades.
1: And most as there's a fucking tally for that,
0: so it's five to two.
1: Um,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> best, best closing song. Now, again, like I think "I'm Lost Without You" is a good is a good song, and I like it, and it does have it does have that angels and airways feel to it.
2: Oh
3: yeah. But I would
1: almost. Like I would almost give that as, like, a knock against the song in a way because it, it's, like, it feels separate. Like, that, and that's kind of, th- like, you're getting to the end of this album and it is kind of, it takes a long time to get there.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: poignant in a way because it's, like, the last song on this Liquid 82 album that's about, like, I've lost without you. And Angels and Airwaves have been very successful and they're still going. And, mm-hmm. like, Boxcar Racer obviously has its fans. Plus 44 has its fans. but both in like it, for and I'm gonna say it's like for Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge, this was like the high, their cultural peak. Like yeah. this is as high as they were gonna get. Like it's almost shocking that like the dude from blink One Eighty Two who became like arguably the most famous is Tra- the guy who never talked. Like literally <laughs> never fucking talked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I kind of think "Good Love Never Dies" is a better song.
0: Like, I, I, I kind of think I, it's do, better. I can agree with that. Yeah. And, like, it, it's, there's there's more of a story being told in the lyrics of that song. I mean, like, obviously, like, I'm Lost Without You is telling a story of, like, loss and like w- and longing. But it's very abstract. So, it's, like, it's in this, like, ether space. It, it, it's very angels and airwaves kind of space of the storytelling that Tom Long has, like, you know, kind of paved the way for now with, with that band. But uh, Liz Ferris feels very it's a song i feel like people can relate to but it seems like a song that's very very specific to a moment in her life which i feel like those are my favorite kinds of songs where that song like like the person that song's about knows that song's about them and listen to that yeah. song can't access a certain piece of it because they're not privy to the moment the song's about where they can still feel for the song and still, like you know the idea of a good love never dies yeah we can all understand that idea but there's something about like the specificity of what that song is doing that that Songs for a person. Um, I think that's a really beautiful way to to end the album.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm lost. Tonight. It feels like a little disjointed. It feels like a little separate from mm-hmm. the other songs on 82. Whereas "Good Love Never Dies" like is inter- It like brings the album to an interesting end because it's still like a, a song about sex, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's but it's also a song about love, and it's like a little bit more. It's less tongue in cheek. It's more sincere. So. Let's give that one the list here. So, look at so, the list. So the final score here is going to be 5-3, to which is a little bit of saving face uh, <laughs> for myself here. If, if we were going to go into a tiebreaker, um, our category is going to be best, best sync. And I, I talked about the sync for this, which is uh, 13 going on 30, which is solid. That, that's mm-hmm. pretty solid. Uh, people will remember 13 going on 30. I'm sure that these 0.82 songs have been used like everywhere, but I don't know.
0: Where they'd yeah, be... I, I'm not sure where they've been either, but I I would imagine they'd be like, somewhere. I bet
1: you feeling this was in like Road Trip 3 on like Apple yeah. TV. Or some like, like American sure... high,
0: like soundtrack or something. I mean, I'm sure that one of these have to be on the Tony Hawk Pro Scare soundtrack. I'd be shocked if like we just didn't uh um,
1: Yeah, Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk Pro Scare soundtrack is really good. Yeah, um, they're so, so, best, best self-titled album, the best rebrand. Ironically goes to blink 182 rebranded broke up. Um, yep. <laughs> there, rebranded kind of got stranded out in the wilderness for a while. Hasn't really, um, you know, really hasn't been this welcome warm. She's only just now starting to get warm. They received like back into the music culture, which is a good thing, hmm. but you've won this round. So that's two, it's two to one. Um, for the punk side, um, <laughs> We will be back in September.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any idea what you want to talk about for the next episode? Um, man, there's a lot of options here. I'm thinking maybe like you know picking an album that came out within like the last like month, like like as Ooh, keep it up, is, like, yeah like up to date because I feel like we re- I feel like we've really delved in the past a little bit. We had Best Songs came out, like, you know, in the past five, we did the past five years, then we did, like, our favorites, in are in 05, the these came out in 03, so I think we gotta, you know, we gotta bring some stuff in that's, like, happening right now, um, especially when we talk you. about how, like, you know, we, we talk about an that's shaping the genre to come, um, so, like, let's see where we're at now, where the genre's at, and I think that'd be an interesting place to be, so maybe that might be the topic. We'll definitely flesh it out um, off-air, but I think that's probably where we're gonna go. Yes.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm and there's, there's, uh, like again, am I am I going to take the new Beyonce album? I'm not going to take the new Beyonce album. I'm not gonna um, but I'm going to. There are a lot of good pop albums that have come out this year, um, so we'll definitely be be doing that. And I'm looking forward to that. And uh, in the meantime, um, let's kick it off with a little bit more uh, Ocean Life.
0: Oh yeah, heck yeah.